What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. This week, we're going to be talking about the Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez card going down this weekend from Long Island, New York. And uh, how you feeling about this fight card? How you doing this week, Ozzy? I love when my Latino brothers are top billing. They're out east, uh, you know, close to the Hamptons. So hopefully they put on a great fight, sip some Modelo's after. Um, and, uh, and yeah, one of them, you know, it seems like is going to be fighting for the uh, featherweight title after this. So I'm definitely always intrigued at, uh, what the 145ers uh, put out there. And I think it's an intriguing main event that, uh, you know, people have been wondering what a fight like this, uh, you know, how it would go for a while. So, you know, looking forward to it. Definitely a great matchup, but, uh, I, I think, I think Emmett has got to be next, right? And then Emmett and Arnold Allen, I mean, these guys uh, don't deserve a title shot, even if they win. It, it'll be a great fight, no, fuck, No, no, fuck the white guys. Let's One of these guys gets the next title shot. Let's go. Fuck the white people. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But make, still, make, great, them, make great... them fight. If they're going to make the two Mexicans fight, make Emmett and fucking uh, Arnold Allen fight. That's, what I'm, that's, uh, that's how I feel. That's true. I think they're just going to give Emmett uh, Volkanovski like the end of the year, hopefully. Um, but, um... Anyway, good good card, top to bottom here. Lost a few uh, good fights in the card, but still real real good. I will be in attendance for the card. Uh, pr- uh, early start, bright and early. 11 a.m. is the first fight. Not really sure what the fuck that's all about, but I will be in attendance with my boy Coco. So if anybody is going to be there as well, you know, reach out on Twitter. And um, quick recap of last week. Uh, personally, I, my track bets weren't that bad, but I'll tell you guys, honestly, it was the most I've ever lost on a card. Just like terrible terrible bets terrible live bets everything went wrong um the the track bets i only lost 2.6 units but man just a whole lot of shit went wrong vandera you know he he killed me vandera killed me the live bets, you bet on vandera everything (laughs) Um, yeah i bet on vandera in the third round i know you minus yeah i I got minus 115 like a minute into the third round when I thought, or a minute and a half, I don't know. I thought we were, it was going to be a clear win. And, uh, and then I don't like that was, it's one thing to fight like that, like first two rounds. And then you see, it's kind of like tit for tat. Like you would think you kind of mix it up a little bit, but like Chase Sherman literally, I don't think has ever had a knockout outside the first round. So it was pretty unfortunate for that, but I thought minus minus one fifteen was pretty fair. Oh, it was. I mean, I made the same live bet. I mean, he was eating punches all fight and then he gets knocked out. So just some, I feel like last card, just a lot of unpredictable outcomes happen. You know, even my boy and Zetchiku, my biggest bet that won, like he turned into a D one wrestler and, and won the fight that way. I wasn't expecting that shit at all. So, um, you know, definitely a little bit of a rough patch. Oh, also both of our best bets went down, went down hard. Uh, Ronnie and Ricky, both terrible. terrible bets. And, you know, we're just, we're the just Ricky, on a cold the Ricky right fight, now. The Ricky fight, the most peculiar fight I've ever seen ever in my life. I mean, it even closed how I said I capped. I think, I don't know if I said on the podcast or when talking to people, I was like, yeah, I think it's like maybe like 70%, so like minus 230, 240. It literally closes there. I bet it at minus 170, minus 175. So you got, you know, 60, 70 cents of, of closing line value. And then, I mean, that fight is just so odd because, you know, you hear, I don't know who's in the corner. It's like Alex Morono and someone from Alpha Male. But this dude's a hobby. Like every time it looks like he's about to throw, Ricky's corner is like, here he comes, here he comes. Like they're treating this guy like he's fucking Godzilla. Like if he's going to like, you know, hurt Ricky or whatever it is. And I mean, it was just the oddest fight I've ever seen. Like the fact that he fought like that 
makes no sense to me. Like why you would fight like that against Faraz or uh, Amen Zahabi. Just crazy. And even then, even then, it was 1-1 on like two judges scorecards going into round three. I so if you three. fight like... Uh, what? Oh, no, no, you're, you're right. It might be two. No, one of the judges had a uh, two, two nothing Amen. But even in round three, so if you fight like that for 10 minutes and you're hitting air and obviously it's not working and like whatever, how do you not put the foot to the gas pedal and go and actually just hit the guy? Like the only strikes this guy Zahabi was landing are fucking like leg kicks, you know, inside leg kicks at that. So, I mean, it was just shocking that like this corner wasn't like, all right, Ricky, like we fucked around for two rounds. Like we don't know what we need to win this round. And. It didn't need you didn't it didn't take much. Like you land like a few combinations, shoot a takedown, get a clinch, hit some shots. That was crazy. So I would have made this I would make the bet again. Honestly, minus one seventy, I'd do it again. But whatever. I mean, it just seemed like Ricky was spooked and he he seemed like he didn't want to fight with his typical style. The style that got him this far, it seemed like he abandoned that, was trying to fight completely different. Bro, he has never ever like had that lack of uh accuracy or actual like real strikes ever even if you look at like the boston salmon fight his tough fights his all his fights dude so it is what it is that's true that's enough about last week um and first fight this week we got uh women's strawweight division emily ducati making her ufc debut pretty short notice taking on jessica penne the odds for this one have ducati minus 152 Penny plus 132. I mean, I watched some of Ducati's fights, and to me, she just looks like another decent boxer, a decent women's boxer. Um, honestly, I was a lot higher on Lupi Godinez coming into the UFC. I thought her boxing skill was a lot better. I mean, pretty similar w- women. You know, they're just... Um, Loopy didn't really wrestle too much in LFA before getting to the UFC. And Ducati kind of seems like the same thing. She's just like a, a decent, maybe above average women's boxer who's been winning fights over in LFA. But you saw Penny in that, that Gudinas fight. I mean, she's a tricky fighter. She's long. She knows how to get good positions on the ground. And she's a veteran. She's really old, 39 years old, but she still looks, you know, decent physically, honestly, um, considering she hasn't, you know, taken much damage in the past few years. So I just don't get why the market is so high on Ducati. I think a lot of it has to do with that knockout over Danielle Taylor. I think the, everyone's just super high on her from that. But I feel like if you take away that one fight of hers, people are a lot less high on this woman. And I, I don't see a single thing special from Ducati. So for a woman coming into the UFC, making her debut on short notice against a tough veteran, I think there's no way I'm laying juice on uh, Ducati here. So it's penny or pass. Maybe a stab on penny sub is worth it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think uh, Ducati has a lot to prove before I, uh, you know, I endorse her. So I bet Penay in her last two fights, both fights, she was uh, plus money on and, uh, you know, good hits there. But in this fight, I prefer Emily Dakota. Um, I think that, you know, Jessica Penay, you know, at 39, like she, you need to kind of play into her game with the grappling a little bit like on the feet, like just her strikes are just they're they're pretty harmless, in my opinion. Um, you know, she doesn't really sit down on any punches like you know her kicks are like really really weak they're really slow and telegraphed in my opinion um so i think it should be easy for emily to cody to like parry some of those kicks away counter uh maybe land some kicks of her own and i mean i think her grappling is not that bad like you know she's been put on her back a few times and you know she's in my opinion she's not a bad grappler 
Um, you know, Jessica Panay is a good grappler, though. I'll give her credit. You know, she finds a way to make it effective. Um, and I like that. And I think it's a good attribute, especially in women's MMA. And I wouldn't be surprised seeing her win this fight. But I just think that, um, you know, as the fight goes later on, I think the effectiveness of Jessica Panay's grappling does go down a little bit in terms of finishing equity. I do think, you know, if you bet Jessica Panay, you know, you, you, you do take a little uh, stab at, uh, you know, submission round one, you know, because I think uh, as the fight goes on, I think she, she starts to fatigue, like her, her, her style, you know, she kind of goes for like high, higher risk, not higher, higher risk maneuvers and like maneuvers that like they'll take a little bit extra energy. Um, Ducati, I think, is a lot, little, a little more steady, and I think she'll she'll chip away at Jessica. But both these girls are kind of slow. You know, I could see this fight going over as well. Where um, and and, and I think the uh, the over, I think, has the under has been getting hit. So I think you know you could get involved on in the over if you like that. In a, you know, in a women's fight, that's usually not a bad idea. But I just think Dakota, she's versatile with the striking, hits to all levels. Um, and yeah, I think she's gonna win this fight in some way. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Dakota. All right, we're back. We just had a slight little audio issue. Uh, Asi switched his mic, and uh, we should be good now, though. Uh, I was asking a follow-up, though. I was going to say the goes the distance on this fight is only minus 165. Do you think that that is like a weird line? Like, don't you think that they're overrating a finish here? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people are, are betting on this under. I would, you know, I think that Dakota could get it going uh, later on, but um, Panay, her, her cardio is good enough that I don't think she gets finished. And like I said, I think Dakota has um pretty good uh submission skills herself so i don't see her getting finished too much um so i i wouldn't mind the the stab in the over but i i think the cutty's gonna win this fight so uh at the similar price you know for the over or the goes the distance or the cody honestly i like the cody side the the cody side better yeah, I think I, I gun in my head pick will be Ducati as well. I just think that it's just not worth laying the juice on. But enough about that one. Next fight middleweight division dustin stolfoot's taking on mike grant grants the favorite minus 131 stolfoot's plus 111 stolfoot's still looking for his first ufc win you think he gets it here ozzy uh i like dustin here a bit um obviously the line's been getting bet down um i just foresee him and kind of see excuse me him being able to get similar grappling going that um that you saw honda do in his last fight you know uh, dwight grant is you know does have pretty long arms obviously right so he's not going to be at too big of a disadvantage in terms of reach going up to 185 but you know i don't see him have some of that hustle um even at 170 so i think the the when you uh combine the fact that he's not really hustling for these grappling uh positions and then now um you know he might be either a little smaller physically or weight wise um, and maybe have a little bit of a harder time getting up or getting uh, or, or um, nullifying some of the grappling uh, just from being, you know, a little bit bigger or similar strength that he had a, that he did at 170. Um, I think Dustin does have uh, some advantages there. And then on the feet, even though Dwight Grant is kind of, you know, does land some big shots, has decent power and decent boxing, he's just so low volume. And, you know, I think that Dustin Stolzis, uh will be able to avoid some of those shots. They're kind of telegraphed there at times. Um, you know, his striking is not good himself, but I think we'll get a decent performance from him. Um, this is a hometown fight for Dwight Grant, but I don't really think that's uh, that plays too much, too big of a role. Um, so I, I kind of lean with the, the Dustin side. Not a confident pick now at the price that it's at. I did 
take maybe like a little stale like it was like plus 135 but i'm not that passionate about the fight if i had to make one pick on it uh maybe that still has value would be um just uh dustin by uh decision um at which is plus 300 uh 380 you could see uh even at fandle 350 i think that's solid um but i could also see him getting a submission here at some point um but i think uh dustin by decision would be is a decent play and i lean to him at the plus 20 side uh on the money line yeah i'm in agreement with pretty much everything i mean i don't think you can be super passionate about this fight just because both guys are on the underwhelming side but in, in an underwhelming fight like this i think you got to go with the dog with Stolfoots. Um, especially plus 124 still lingering out there on FanDuel. I mean, I do think that's value, but I, I don't think I'm going to be betting it myself just because uh, Dwight does swing hard. He does throw, you know, just all he knows how to do is throw hard punches. Um, and I feel like that is is enough to, you know, make me want to pass on this one. I see a lot of people playing the overs and goes to distances, and I kind of lean that way as well. But again, just all Grant knows how to do is throw hard punches. This guy has no jab, no leg kick, no offensive wrestling. All he does is swing hard. And I think that that's, you know, not the greatest recipe for this fight going over. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll pick Stolfoots by decision 380. I think that's a pretty good number, uh, but no bet for me on this one. Next fight is a fight I do have an official bet on. Dot on Jung taking on Dustin Jacoby. Jung minus 121 on bet online right now. Jacoby plus 101. Crazy line movement all over this fight. I was able to bet Jung plus 130, I believe, uh, on Sunday, right after the last card. And he's all the way down to minus 120 now. So some, some crazy line movement on Jung here. I think where it's at now. Honestly, the value's probably shifted back towards Jacoby. Any plus on this fight is pr probably good. Uh, but my thinking in the fight was, uh, if the fight stays purely striking, I cap Jung as a slight underdog. I think that Dustin is a little more comfortable, has a lot more experience in the striking minutes. He obviously has that that good leg kick, and he's just comfortable in striking fights. So I give uh, Jacoby a pure... Uh, a a little bit of a pure striking edge. But if Jung decides to grapple here, he can immediately look like a big favorite. I mean, when he decided to grapple against William Knight, I mean, he dominated that fight on the floor. And I think that Jacoby is liable to get taken down here if, if Jung really wants to attempt those takedowns. So for a fight where I think uh, Jung can compete on the feet, maybe have some big moments with that, that power of his. Um, and then he has a potential to dominate potentially with his grappling. So I think that's why I liked him at that plus money price. I, I'm not really sure what all this action is coming in on Jung. Uh, I, I saw one person say, I mean, he's, he's younger. He's uh, arguably more athletic. He's the harder hitter. He has more uh, potential to improve. Uh, in between fights and Jacoby did look pretty bad in his last fight against McCall and the last thing I'll say is Jacoby his fights are just he wins them by 29-28 you know the, the Kudalaba fight was, was a draw the um, John Allen fight was a 29-28 the McCall fight 29-28 the only guy he's really blown out of the water is like Darren Stewart and Justin Ledette. Uh, but I just think the guy is generally in close fights, and I think that uh, plus money is deciding to be on in those close fights. So I, I like my junk bet. I'm letting it ride for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Ozzy? My initial lean was Jung, but I wasn't that enthusiastic about playing this fight uh, at all. For the most part, uh, I see it's the most probably contentious fight on the card, which I find funny. Um, I faded Jacoby in his last fight against Mikal. I just saw Mikal was going to be able to hit that body and find a chin at some point. And honestly, looking back at the fight, I don't feel that bad about it. Um, you know, Mikal's uh, cardio let me down in that third round. It was obviously 1-1. 
Um, but you saw in that third round, you know, Jacoby started looking for the clinch at some points. He was getting pressured. He was backing up. He he said right after he had an injury, whatever, you know, you could believe a guy. You could not believe a guy. It's funny how people, you know, they pick and choose who they want to believe had, you know, ailments going into the into certain fights. But whatever. Yeah, he sure he couldn't kick whatever. It was it was a weird thought process. But, you know, I think that the same kind of thing could happen in the third round here against uh, Jung. I mean, you saw Cody Brundage last week. He looked like he was huffing and puffing pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well um, three minutes into that uh, Gore fight. And he's like uh, Dustin Jacoby's main training partner. I'm pretty confident Jung won't get tired. Um, he obviously has a great chin, as you've seen multiple times. And I mean, the only play I'm going to make on this fight I'm going to take round three Jung just because of what I saw from Jacoby in that round, uh, third round against uh, Mikau. I just think overall Jacoby is not that good. Like people give him way too much credit. They say, oh, he's a glory kickboxer. It's all nonsense, man. Like, uh, you know, Adeshev is a glory kickboxer as well. Um, you know, Jacoby, he's solid. He's all right. But some of the guys he's faced are not that good. John Allen, um, Ty, Ty Flores, Justin Ledet, he lost to Max Grisham. Um, so I don't understand the, um, you know, being that confident in him. Like his striking is okay. But the thing with Jung is he's very, very good on the counter. He's much younger. Like you said, I think he has some grappling upside and he throws some creative strikes. You know, he, he got Kennedy out of there with those elbows. Um, you know, people talk about the leg kicks all the time, but when has Jacoby been a crippling leg kicker? Like against Justin Ledet, that's it. But I think it's pretty obvious that Jung, it's hard to hurt him. Um, it's going to take a lot of volume for Jacoby, I think, to win this fight, even if it goes to the scorecards. So I, I actually prefer Jung overall. So I agree with you there. I'm not going to play the money line. And like I said, I have, I've got run, round three Jung. Um, I think that he could get to Jacoby late. And I'm pretty sure no matter how the fight plays out, I'm, I feel good about uh, Jung hurting Jacoby at, at some point during the fight. Yeah, and uh, as you just mentioned, the win over Kennedy and Zechiku aged well this past weekend. Kennedy picking up a dominant win. Um, that's going to take us to the next fight, featherweight division. We got Bill Algio taking on Herbert Burns. Uh, late notice fight here. It was supposed to be Algio versus Quarantillo, and it was supposed to be her, uh, Burns versus some Russian guy. The Quarantillo and the Russian guy fell out. Now we get this fight. So what are you thinking about this featherweight fight here, Ozzy? Yeah, so obviously both you and I know uh, Bill, uh, you know, decently well. You trained at his gym. I've trained with him a few times. Uh, we competed against each other once. And, I mean, you know, I think all the stuff that you see on film and on tape is what people know uh, Algeo for, right? He's He um, is diverse on the feet, striking-wise, right? He's uh, got that Muay Thai background. He is really, really slippery and very, very hard to submit, which, you know, definitely can confirm that. Um, and, you know, he's just well-rounded overall, right? He's not the best wrestler, but he does have some wrestling instincts overall. Um, and just, but just looking at, the, and he is a good, this is a good stylistic matchup for him, so I could understand why this steam came in his direction. I was looking back at his fight against uh Brito again and you know just what I would like to see from Bill is like sometimes he needs to like tighten up the defense a little bit like against Brito he was just leaning away from a lot of those shots he's trying to kind of like intercept and kind of like parry the punches away because you know he does like to like kind of grab a collar tie here and there off of it and close the distance when people are throwing at him and kind of land those knees and all but he was letting 
Brito land, you know, a decent amount of punches that were coming down the middle. Um, and I think that could be an issue here as well, um, especially early on against Herbert. Um, you know, so I, I would like to see him be just use the shell more, like just shell up sometimes more where people are throwing uh, big shots at him because he just has such good cardio that if he can, you know, deflect some shots and invite people to, to spend some energy, um, I think that he would actually get some of these finishes later on. Um, I do favor Bill here. I do think that uh, Herbert is kind of like a two pump chump. Um, you know, not to discredit his skills at all. You know, he does have some Muay Thai here. Um, I don't think that he will get more than one takedown on Bill, you know, in this fight. You know, it could potentially come in the first round just because Bill does let people get in on his hips. But uh, Herbert is not kind of like a power wrestler um, overall. But, man, Bill, sometimes he does get loose when he is on top. He does. Uh, he is like a little nonchalant and kind of is a little bit of a showman. And I will say also, this is the first UFC fight of his that is not in the apex, right? And it is in a, uh, you know, a full, full arena in, nearby to, you know, his hometown, right? He's like a Pennsylvania, Jersey guy, right? Went to Penn State as well. So he should have a good contingency out there. Um, he might want to show out. But I just, you know, I kind of told him like, hey, look, just mind your P's and Q's early. And um, you should be able to uh, to start chopping this, this guy down late. So I hope he listens. I hope he's a little tighter with the defense. Uh, early on draws out some of these attacks and burns and then is able to uh, start imposing his will later later on but you know also uh, have to be careful if you do get on top of burns because he does have some some dangerous attacks from on top uh, on bottom and he is a solid jiu-jitsu player but i think that bill is going to be able to lance those overhands you know eventually uh dig that body use the muay thai clinch and uh, outpoint herbert burns you know maybe to a late stoppage um but yeah my, my, i will pick uh, bill to to win this fight yeah, I think it's a a good move for Bill getting this matchup. Obviously, he went from plus 220 to minus 200. So it's good to see him getting a, a bit of a more favorable matchup close to home. Uh, I largely agree with your assessment of the fight. I think Burns is going to be, you know, dangerous in round one. Uh, Bill builds into fights. You know, he always is building into fights. He never typically starts super strong. Uh, but he really, you know, figures the fight out as it goes, has good cardio, adapts well in, in the middle of the fight. Uh, so I think, you know, Pre-fight, I don't think you'd be betting Bill. Uh, maybe minus 160, 70, sure, that was a fine bet. But minus 200 where it's at now, the ship has sailed. Just wait and live bet him. You know, I feel like in most of Bill's fights, he's been a better live bet than he has a, a pre-fight bet. And that's because of the reason I was just, you know, describing is building into the fight. So uh, Herbert, I think, will have, you know, some athleticism and explosion for him early on. Probably gets a takedown or two on Bill, maybe even a brief back take. But Bill is, is super comfortable defending uh, back takes and submissions. He's really hard to submit. And Burns just you know, is seems like a huge cardio dump kind of guy. We have not really seen him in a tough fight where he's dug deep in the later rounds. He always is kind of either finishing guys in round one or getting finished later in the fight himself. Uh, so barring any, you know, big improvements from Burns over the past year and a half, which is possible, he did take a while off. He is training at Sanford. He does have a good camp behind him. So it's possible he's slightly improved. But uh, from what I've seen on tape, I do think that Bill really should run away with the fight in the later rounds, uh, possibly pulling off a stoppage. But I feel like Bill's fights just, you know, inherently go the distance and the, the fights are always, you know, ended up going to the cards. So maybe take some stabs on round two, round three, Bill, round two, plus 650, round three three plus a thousand i think the the round three is is definitely worth it with a thousand um but they have bill ko at plus 200 he just doesn't 
he doesn't seem uh, like he he really pours it on with his strikes at times. I feel like we might actually see Bill hunt a, a submission here if he can maybe get uh, Burns hurt and maybe you know try to make a statement. You know, submitting the the guy who's known for his submission. So Bill sub at uh, at ten to one, maybe the late sub props round two, round three at plus three thousand and plus four thousand. Uh, you know, not bad there as well. So um, you know, be, be cheering for my man Bill. I do think he gets it done. I would be pretty surprised to see Herbert, uh, you know, win the fight, especially considering Bill is just so hard to finish. And uh, I don't see Burns. I definitely don't see Burns winning a decision. So I'd be pretty shocked to see uh, Burns uh, win and, you know, have those fingers ready on the live bets, you know, halfway through round one at the end of round one, be ready to live bet Bill here. And the next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore. Banger of a matchup going down. Shore minus 160, Simone plus 140. So, you know, talking to, uh, you know, people in our, in our circle this week, you know, popular underdog on Ricky Simone. I'm betting him as well. Uh, got him plus 145. I, I was assuming the action was going to start coming in on Simone, but we're yet to really see that action come in on Ricky. I definitely think Shore's, you know, record is is driving a lot of people to to bet him here. Obviously, 16-0, maybe 5 or 6-0 and in the UFC. You know, he, he's a decent fighter, uh, but I've always been skeptical of him. I think, you know, Ozzy's kind of been in the same but we've always been you know just skeptical of the guy's skills and i don't think he's yet to really prove uh you know that he's a, a top level fighter uh, i'm not saying ricky simone necessarily is uh you know it's, i think they're both kind of fringe top 15 but i mean shore's last fight in particular valiev i mean i think valiev could have been up two rounds to zero there and then shore ended up pulling uh back some late knockdowns winning the fight that way but i thought i mean valiev certainly won round one round two was really close and you know valiev's a solid fighter it's not like that was a bad performance from jack shore but i just feel like this guy is kind of just you know a little above average everywhere you know i don't think he's a great grappler i don't think he's a great striker and i think he's just going to be in for a probably his toughest matchup in the ufc to date against ricky simone uh not the same case for simone simone's had a lot tougher matchmaking than shorter has um an incredible difference in matchmaking honestly shores honestly had very easy matchmaking in his ufc thus far and uh you know the wrestling in this fight you got to give the advantage to simone he's not the type of guy to hold a guy down after he gets takedowns but i do think he's the better wrestler and the striking here is going to be really competitive i give sure a slight advantage on the feet uh but i mean i mean simone's been improving his boxing we saw that in the ray borg fight his his gas tank has never been a problem he's always going hard for the full 15 minutes and i i like the ricky simone side here i think he's uh I, I cap him at closer to like a slight dog maybe plus 110 or something so uh plus 140 i like that for you know a decent bet and i think he probably grinds his way to a decision win here yeah and i'm also on the ricky simone side i mean this is the most intriguing fight to me overall um on this card now i mean when i'm looking at this fight you know i think they're the two things that are going to be most consequential uh here are one uh are one um the the get-ups of uh jack shore and the butterfly hooks and how ricky's able to neutralize it um you know from on top by uh, using his knees and kind of you know just you know stripping those hooks and then the second thing that I'm, I'm curious about is the left kick of jack shore um you know he he throws that left high kick out very very often and I think uh, he does that, you know, for it, it, it's a it's just a smart tactical um, 
weapon for him to use. He, he throws it up to the head a lot. Um, a guy like Simone, he he was showing a lot of head movement in the fight against the Sun South. So I feel that uh, that will definitely be a, a key here that he's going to uh, look to throw out there often. But overall, I mean, Jack Shore, yeah, he's got a good jab. Um, you know, he throws it out quickly and he's got a decent cross behind it. But I feel like Ricky is pretty prepared for that. I think that the shots that he throws out there have a lot more power in them. Um, and I mean, I just from seeing his fights, especially with uh, Hunter Azure, you know, I think people see that and think that he's going to be able to do something similar. And, you know, the, the, the biggest difference that I see between Azure and a guy like Simone is just like the horsepower. And I mean, Azure, he just a little bit slighter of frame. You just kind of see it um, when he and Shore lock up. He's not very thick at all he's kind of like a smaller 135er um and he's more of a finesse guy whereas simone he's got both the speed and finesse but he combos that with a lot of power and great uh cardio as well so i think he's gonna grind on jack shore i i don't see shore hurting him you know too much with the hands i i think ricky's gonna be able to to avoid a lot of those punches and i do think that jack shore's defense even on the feet leaves a lot to be desired um he you know he got hit often by hunter azure um and i think that ricky's gonna be able to to stand up to him put him on the back foot instead put him against the cage put him on the ground um and at plus 140 i just love it I, or plus 145 actually on DraftKings. i love ricky simone here in this spot i do think this guy's a legit you know top 10 contender um in this uh bantamweight division i think he is still growing the guy's still only 29 years old i think he's turning 30 this year but only 29 so i think it, this is his moment here i think jack short is coming you know a little it's a little early for him yes he he did well in that timor valley fight but that's a hometown fight you know i think there's a there's a few things in there that i kind of saw like favorable you know to him i hope mark goddard is not the jet the the referee uh in this fight i, I just saw some weird things happening in that uh timor valley fight um that i hope to not see here um in terms of you know uh you know preferential stuff but a lot of the guys that jack shore has fought have been on the underside like on the lesser side in terms of experience like nolan hernandez aaron phillips hunter azure you know the one guy that he fights that is you know similar experience level to him and timor you know he is uh he, he looks like he's up, uh, on his way to losing the fight and i think that ricky simone he's just developed a lot he's paid his dues in the ufc he knows how to fight you know a guy like jack shore and i think he's the perfect foil for a guy like jack shore but jack is good i don't want to underrate him too much you know i did beforehand but you know i think this is a biting off a little more than he could chew. I wouldn't be shocked at him winning this fight, um, but I, I I think it will be competitive. So I've got Ricky, Ricky Moneyline, and I got him by uh, decision as well. I just think overall it's a great, great spot for him. Um, and, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, these guys uh, squaring up. Yeah, I think I might have to take a little bit of that short or Simon decision plus 230. I mean, uh, you got to add a little bit there. Keep most of it on the money line, but add a little uh, cherry on top of that decision. Obviously, the most likely way he wins the fight. Moving way up in weight here, the middleweight division, we have Puna Soriano taking on Dolce Lungambula. Puna minus 240, Dolce plus 205. Uh, what are you thinking about this one, Ozzy? I don't have a tremendous amount of thoughts here. Um, mostly, you know, I think that these guys might be a little familiar with each other um, in terms of um, training, just because uh, uh, Dolce was at uh, Extreme Couture up until uh, early this year. Um, you know, what I think will happen here is uh, I think Puna is honestly going to have a little bit of a harder time than he probably expects landing on left hand just because Dolce, he's all the way in or he's all the way out. You know, I kind of do want to see these guys grapple a little bit. You know, Dolce does have the judo, which I don't think will be a factor until possibly later on in the fight. 
But I wouldn't be surprised at seeing him take down Puna. I just don't think that he's going to be able to get too much top control um, in this fight. But I could see us being uh, quite close. So I'm definitely not laying the juice on um, on Puna. Um, what is the... Just looking at a line here. Um, I mean, if I goes a distance, I think is is okay. Um, as well as the over one and a half. Just because, like I said, I think it's going to be a little harder for Puna to land that left hand. I could be totally wrong. I don't, it's not something that I'm probably going to play. Um, but I just could see these guys, you know, clinching a little bit uh, more than uh, than expected. And Dolce kind of like looking to force it there just because he kind of knows um, Puna maybe slows down a little bit and, and loses steam in that left hand. So, you know, the familiarity, potential familiarity between the two, I think makes me lean towards the over. Um, but I don't have too much, too many thoughts on, um, on, on the side. I would probably... Uh, lean Dolce here, maybe a Dolce by decision um, as a value play overall. Um, but yeah, it's probably a, a fight that I won't have any action on. Uh, yeah, I do have a bet on this one. Just a half unit bet on Dolce plus 220. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts either. It's just I, I see the fight being a lot closer than plus 220. You know, I think they're both, you know, super strong athletic guys kind of come from a wrestling background. Puna a little more boxing oriented these days. Uh, but I just see the fight being a lot closer. I mean, Dolce can definitely put a good round or two together. He definitely struggles in that third round. But guess what? So does Puna Soriano. He always is slowing down as the fight goes on. So where that you got to always be worried about Dolce's cardio. Well, the same thing on the other side here with the, the huge favorite in Puna. Now, I think Puna definitely looked pretty good with his defensive grappling against uh, Maximov. Uh, Initially there, he was stuffing a lot of shots and doing well and doing damage. I definitely think he win that, won that fight, uh, winning the first two rounds. Uh, but I think Dolce obviously has a whole different style of wrestling than Maximov. He's not going to go for those weak single legs. I mean, he has a lot more uh, torque and, you know, can generate a lot more power behind those takedowns. So I think Puna could land some takedowns here. I think they're both going to be swinging for the fences and the feet. Either guy could catch one another. Uh, it, they could definitely hit, hit one another, and uh, the fight could end by knockout at any time. But I do kind of agree with the fight going over. I think they kind of should cancel each other out. And I think the GTD at plus 180 is pretty good. Uh, just because they both slow down, I could see them kind of canceling each other out a bit in round three. And uh, it definitely seems like Puna is not trying to rely as much on that round one knockout lately. He wants to try to, you know, go the full 15 minutes and, and uh, you know, show his his well-rounded skill set over the full 15. Uh, so I think the, you know, the goes the distance is not bad here if you're feeling a bit risky on that plus 180. But, you know, I'd say just a small bet on Dolce and move on here. No need to think about this one too much. Uh, that takes us to the first fight on the main card. Uh, women's fight's been rescheduled to this week. Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate. Misha Tate's the favorite, minus 192. Lauren Murphy, plus 167. Uh, kind of going back and forth this week with this one. You know, part of me thinks that, uh, obviously, Tate, probably the better career overall fighter. She throws uh, a bit more strikes. She looked, she's looked all right, honestly. Maybe a little bit better than I've expected since coming off that long layoff. Uh, but it is women's MMA. We do have a minus 192 favorite, a 65% favorite. And Lauren Murphy, uh, to me, can probably hang everywhere here. I mean, she's not going to be blown out of the water on the feet. It's going to be competitive striking exchanges. And either woman can take either one down and end up on top and win rounds that way. And Lauren Murphy, her nickname, Lucky, she does get extremely lucky with these decisions. Uh, you know, two in recent memory, the Andrea Lee and the JoJo Calderwood fight, both in the luckier side side there um and she's you know historically just been a good solid underdog um and uh 
so I guess I guess all you can really do is dog or pass here. I mean, the, the betting Misha Tate is out of the freaking question. So it's the only question here is, are you taking the stab on Murphy or not? And, uh, you know, at this price, it's probably worth it. So I don't knock it and knock a stab on it. I don't know if I'll have any action, but, you know, easy Murphy or pass. And I'll be cheering for her as well. You got any thoughts here, Ozzy? Yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, I got a lot of thoughts here, actually. Um, you know, this is a fight where I really don't understand why people are kind of like leaning so much towards um, Misha Tate. Obviously, you know, Lauren did not look good in, you know, her last fight, but it was against Valentina Shevchenko. Um, and, you know, Misha Tate, yeah, you know, her wrestling uh, technically is, I think, is, is is solid you know for the for the female uh women's uh divisions you know it's probably very very high level it's 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 all right but there's some moments where you see where even though she has the right idea and they're like the technically proficient um way to finish these takedowns and get to them they don't they don't end up working like it against Ketlin, you know i think she had a hard time obviously Ketlin's pretty big but you know the marion renault fight marion she just never had good wrestling she's never really been able to withstand the grind of a grappler like the girl was getting taken down easily by macy chiasan for god's sake so who who is not a technical wrestler right it's just about you know putting that pace on and you know putting her through the the grinder now lauren murphy on the other hand like you know, these guys are, these girls are kind of like, not, I'm not saying they're mirror images of each other, but they kind of fight a little similarly, but just, I don't like anything I see on the feet from Misha Tate. Like she has a bad tendency that I personally used to have as well when I was like, you know, uh, boxing and kickboxing and stuff, getting ready for MMA fights. She's always moving her head off to her right hand side all the time. Like she's either like pulling back, leaning to the right lean like you know shying away from punches to the right. It's just weird. You see her in the, in the Catlin fight the whole time. And you know, it's just a bad tendency and she kind of comes in at weird angles and she's not really direct, you know, whereas Lauren Murphy, I think, has the much cleaner boxing, both offensively and defensively. I was listening to the portion of Club and Sub with uh, uh, Stargarian and and all the other folks on there. And I think John was uh, speaking about the uh, like, hey, what is Lauren Murphy good at? And hey, Lauren Murphy gets out struck all the time and, you know, she gets out volume and this or that. I mean, but if you look at her fights and you actually look at the stats a little bit further in further, which, you know, I don't usually do, you know, she actually outlands all her most of her opponents to the head. And the way that she is losing on volume is because of leg kicks and body strikes often. But you but mostly leg kicks. You can look at the Joan Calderwood fight, the uh, Andrea Lee fight, which are the ones that are the most skewed in terms of overall volume. But it's in, literally in all her fights because Lauren Murphy does not throw leg kicks at all. And guess who doesn't throw leg kicks either? Misha Tate. Um, guess what is easy or a lot of times Misha Tate times her takedowns off of? Leg kicks very often, which is a solid tactic overall um, in MMA. But that's not really going to be here because Lauren Murphy is not really a leg kicker at all. Um, and I also don't think she's going to get outvolumed uh, at distance by Misha Tate because she is, because Misha Tate's not a leg kicker. So I see these girls being in the clinch a little bit. I see them being at range, you know, quite often. And you throw in the fact that Misha Tate's going down in this 125 weight class, which historically has been bad for men and women. And the fact that she was not even considering dropping down to this weight class until Juliana Pena choked out Amanda Nunes uh, about seven months ago. You know, then she started reconsidering it. But let's be honest, man, like, Misha Tate is not that great overall for her to be a 210 chalk over Lauren Murphy, where, you know, even if she is getting takedowns like Lauren Murphy, she's shown get up ability and Misha Tate, like her control, like her control is kind of loose, like on top, like she's not like the most dogged, like she kind of looks to take the back and things like that. So, 
you know, I think Lauren Murphy's going to have ample opportunity to get up to her feet. I think she's probably going to look better than she did in that Shevchenko fight. You know, she was saying some health stuff and yada, yada. I don't know how true it is or not, but I do think that she, that was like an all-time worst performance. Um, and it's, I think it's, easy to get motivated to fight a girl like Misha Tate coming down the division, thinking that she's going to be able to come in here, uh, get a title shot off of one fight, you know, just came off a main event. I think it's easy for Laura Murphy to get up for that fight. She's probably wanted that fight her whole career. Like what one, what 125 or 135 or wouldn't have wanted to fight Misha Tate. This is like, you know, being in the 135 division on the male side and like not wanting the TJ Dillashaw fight. Like if you're, you know, one of the contenders there, or like uh, Frankie Edgar, like, right. Don't you think Frankie Edgar want to fight one of these guys, even if he is not in title contention, like, yeah, he'd want a big fight. He wants to fight Dominic Cruz. So just a little parallel, a little analogy there, you know, it could be, you could throw it totally away. But the point being is, I think Laura Murphy's the better striker at range. I think she's a fine wrestler. And I think that uh, I, I don't really see Misha Tate getting multiple takedowns easily, especially when you factor in this weight cut. Um, that's, you know, a big question mark. So give me Laura Murphy. And I'm fairly confident that, you know, she might not win. But, um, you know, I'm fairly confident that this will look like a fight that's closer than that 175-180 number. And that's what I'm in this for. So I'll take Laura Murphy. I'll take her by decision. And uh, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that it's a solid uh, dog money women's MMA play. Yeah, good point about uh, dropping down the weight. I forgot to mention that Tate, you know, cutting down to 125 here, uh, you know, first time in her career, right? You know, that's got to be a big concern. You know, who the hell knows how she's going to look? Um, and the only real bad sign for Murphy though is apparently she did have COVID. Uh, I think like three weeks ago when the fight was supposed to happen. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, no long standing effects to that. But um, you know, she's she's lucky. She's Lauren Lucky Murphy. She'll she'll be fine. Um, next fight, uh, one of the best on the card, Shane Burgos, uh, the king of New York right now, taking on Charles Jordan. Bet Online has this one. Burgos minus 175, Charles Jordan plus 150. So I'll give a little introduction here before I pass it over to you, Ozzy. Shane Burgos is 6-0 and in New York in the UFC. Uh, so you got to be thinking about that anytime you're, you're betting on this fight. Uh, his only three losses took place outside of New York. So uh, with that being said, you, you trust in uh, Hurricane Shane here in this matchup? Yeah, man. I, you know, obviously, I don't know anyone who doesn't look forward to a Shane Burgos fight. Um, I was there when he uh, TKO Makwan Americani, and obviously the, the crowd is buzzing for him. I was there when he uh, fought Billy Billy Q as well, and, you know, that was an insane fight. And uh, I think this is a pretty interesting matchup here. Um, you know, obviously, Shane has, you know, a lot of great attributes that he brings to the cage. He also has a lot of great skills that he mixes in, and I think he's found... Uh, or he applied a lot of his attributes, like I mentioned, to his skills, and he kind of matched them up really well. Um, and, you know, I, but I could see the faults here in his game overall that could leave him susceptible for a guy like Jordan, who is a high flyer, is a high-risk maneuver guy, and, you know, he's been getting a little bit more consistent overall. You know, he's still a young, young fighter coming into his own. But, I mean, realistically, for me, when I'm looking at these guys, I see Shane as a better fighter in every aspect and every realm of the fight game. Overall, um, I think you can look at that Julian Arosa fight and draw a lot of parallels or a lot of um, confidence in a, in a guy like uh, Shane here. Um, you know, when kind of looking at this fight, a lot of, I think it's easy to see and say, okay, like if Shane loses, it's going to be because Jordan, you know, cracks the chin, you know, hits him with a big bomb. But like, I just can't, you know, factor that in all that much in terms of my pick for the fight, just because I think Shane 
has the ability to to fight a little slower, has the ability to avoid some of these shots. He can push Jordan, he could to cage push Jordan like he was doing Billy Q at a certain points, rip the body like uh Julian Rosa was doing, which I think hurt Jordan at a few time a few a few occasions. Um and I always say it every Shane Burgos fight, the guy's got an underrated ground game. He started off as a grappler. I used to see him, you know, at grappling tournaments all the time. Like this guy knows how to grapple. His brother you know, just made his MMA debut. And the first thing he did was, you know, or not the first thing he did, but he ended up taking a guy down, rear naked choking him. Like, this is what you should do, right? He did this to Billy, uh, to Billy Algio. Like, you know, Bill Algio threw like a spinning back first, spinning back kick. I forget what it was. And Shane body locked him from the back, picked him up, put him down, put his hooks in, and it's over. Um, and I think if he's able to take take the back on someone like Jordan, I think he's able to finish him pretty quickly, you know, and and make it an easy night for himself. I, I hope he does. I hope he does do that. But even if he doesn't, man, I think that, you know, a southpaw like Jordan, um, you know, I, I think that, it it could devolve into a fight where Shane's on the outside and Jordan's just ripping the kicks, the left kick, you know, inside leg kick, body kick. But Shane's pretty good at countering those. And, you know, I just think that if he minds his P's and Q's, uh, looks at that left hand, rolls it. He's very good at rolling shots. And I think the angle that that left hand is coming from uh, from uh, Jordan, I think it's actually going to play into the defense of Shane and allow him for to counter it big. So, I mean, at the minus 165 number, I like Shane. I'm not going to play him too big just because I've been disappointed by him at, at times before and I could see a pitfall potentially here. But Jordan usually starts off strong. So even if I play it a little smaller uh, beforehand and look to invest in the live number, I think that uh, I will get a good a good live bet there as well. But I, I'm also going to take a little pop on the Shane inside the distance here. Um, I mean, it, it's gone down a little bit. I I, uh, I played it already for a little bit, but I think that he's going to be able to get Jordan out of there at some point, maybe late. Um, if you want a little bit better of a number, maybe Shane round two, round three. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this fight, but I think Shane's going to pick up another win and keep his uh, New York uh, uh, record undefeated. Yeah, I'm in agreement with pretty much everything there. I, I like Burgos here as well. Bet him already, minus 165. Um, maybe a little bit better than the inside the distance would be his points handicap line. Uh, that looks like it's going to be uh, minus 105 right now. That should cover, you know, uh, the uh, 30-27 and the finish. But, you know, a little hesitancy there just because Burgos does kind of typically like maybe have one slow round. Sometimes round one, he can be a bit of a slow starter. Um but I mean, I just see this matchup being very, you know, advantageous for him. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Erosa fight. I think that's the most relevant fight uh, for Jordan here. Uh, and in that fight, you know, I think uh, Orosa looked a little more like calm and collected than he typically did. He boxed out of the orthodox stance, was a lot more boxing heavy. And, you know, you saw him ripping nasty body shots and knees to the body. That's going to be a huge factor here. Shane loves ripping to the body. He actually has a really good front kick, teep kick as well that he throws at distance that should be landing to the body. And I just see Burgos is the better boxer. He's more durable. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen Jordan get hurt several times in the UFC. I think Jordan probably does have uh, more one punch power than Burgos because we do see Jordan dropping guys, but that's a combination of the speed and you know Jordan's in and out type of style. Um, and I think that, you know, we could have a moment like that here where Jordan lands a hard left hand and maybe it gives Burgos a, a buckle of some sort. But this dude is so hard to consistently hurt and to get out of there. I really don't see Jordan doing that. Uh, and I think it's just going to be Burgos's fight, man. I really like that the body shots are going to be big. Maybe rip that inside leg kick with that uh, that's uh, orthodox versus southpaw matchup. 
And you just saw Burgos build so well into that uh, Quarantillo fight. Billy Q gave him some issues early, but he just adapts really well. He has really good cardio for the full 15 minutes. And uh, Burgos is just a guy, uh, you know, I'm comfortable laying juice on in this situation. I like the price tag. I like the matchup. And, uh, you know, that New York record speaks for itself. You know, I don't see him losing at home here. Um, and that's going to take us to the next fight, which is in the flyweight division. We have Sumadarji taking on Matt Schnell. Sue minus 260, Schnell plus 220. Uh, decent matchup here. You know, never can be too uh, too excited to see a Matt Schnell fight just because the guys cause a lot of pain and suffering for us betters out there in our lifetimes. I feel like every time, like every time I bet for this guy's fights to go the distance, uh, or, or end inside the distance, it ends up going the distance. And every time I bet on him, he ends up shitting the bed and doing something stupid. I mean, he's just a very frustrating fighter uh, to watch. Uh, Sumadarji, very inactive in his time in the UFC thus far. Uh, you know, got dominated by Luis Smolka, and then all of a sudden looked extremely better, leveled up versus Sukumtot, and then had those two performances, knocking out Malcolm Gordon in 30 seconds, a decision over Adeshev. Just a lot of easy matchups and just low-level fighters that he's been given. And, uh, you know, they haven't been feeding this guy tough matchups. They tried to book him versus Manal Kopp. That fight got canceled, sadly. Uh, but I think that Schnell is honestly a, a bit of a tougher matchup than the odds are giving him credit for. I'm not endorsing this guy as a bet because he's a he's a very, you know, challenging guy to fully lay that bet on. But, you know, Sue here at, you know, 70 percent, I do think is is a bit wrong for for Sue. Uh, I mean, Sue doesn't really offensively grapple. And I see, you know, I see Schnell maybe giving us some problems on the feet here, man. It really depends on where the range takes place in this fight. Now, Schnell can do two things. He can get super aggressive in your face, try to, you know, close that distance, throw his own punches, and he might have success. That's what he did versus uh, Roy Vall. You know, Roy Vall was pumping out those southpaw long strikes, and Schnell was pressuring him. He was throwing hands, and he dropped him. But then, like a moron, he, he, you know, followed up on the ground and he made several mistakes, mistake after mistake, and he ended up getting his neck caught. And that's just the type of fighter the guy is. He's just stupid and he, he doesn't recognize how to make, you know, good uh, decisions in the middle of the fight. So if this fight is a clean striking fight and they can keep it at kicking range and at distance, then Sue's going to outbox him for sure. He's going to use those kicks, that long uh, straight punches of his, and he's going to outstrike uh, Schnell. But if Schnell, you know, grows a pair and uh, decides to make the fight, uh, you know, you know, gritty and he decides to pressure and try to get the fight in close, he could he can really, uh, you know, shock some people and hurt Sue with his strikes here. But. You know, this one should go under. It should not go the distance. Uh, but the only reason I'm not in love with the inside the distance is because it feels like it's either going to end in round one or they could coast to a decision. It, you know, it really depends on Schnell's tempo uh, because if if Schnell isn't aggressive, then Sue won't be aggressive either. So I, I feel like the fight ending in round one is not a bad small bet. So fight doesn't start round two at plus 215 for like a half unit just in case they swing to the death in round one. Uh, so that that's my analysis for the fight. What do you think in your Aussie? I don't know what Matt Schnell's deal is. I mean, the guy was doing great against uh, Brian, Brandon Royval and decided that he just wanted out of the fight. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know if it's maybe like the weight cut, like he just doesn't like being in there at 125. I don't know. But the guy hasn't had a, one, a good 125 performance in a while. Um, you know, Sue, he's still developing, right? He tore his ACL. That's why he hasn't fought in a while. And I usually don't like backing or supporting or picking guys off ACL tears. But he's taking a little bit time off, you know, enough, I I, I guess. Um, but 
he's just way more fleet of foot than Mashnell. You know, the southpaw side of things. I, I don't think Mashnell's going to see that left hand coming, you know, all that well. And I just think Mashnell is like a funny boxer. Like, if you watch him against, like, Tyson Nam and Bontaran, like, he he look, he thinks, like, as he's boxing, like, he's taking, like, super clean angles and it's looking real clean and real good. But then he, like, gets popped or something like that or, you know, he'll get hit clean. Um, and I just think that the range here is going to be a little bit too much for him. So I would, I would uh, coach him to try to look to grapple. Obviously, you saw how much success uh, Smoka had against Sumidarji, you know, doing that. But I just think Sue's going to be too elusive. He's going to pop him, you know, uh, with with uh, straight shots as he comes in. Maybe a head kick uh, thrown in there, uh, here and there. Um, and I think he's going to win kind of rather easily, um, unless Mashnell shows up with the career best performance. But I don't think that's happening, man. I think this guy, you, you have to be, like, extremely demoralized after that last fight, even though he is taking another fight here relatively quickly. It was just a ridiculous performance. Um, I don't think that Susan be there to be hit, you know, as much as uh, Roy Val is and was. Um, he's just a lot cleaner and a lot more, a lot safer of a striker overall. Um, and yeah, I think he's in the pick at Mashnell, win an easy fight. You know, I could definitely see it going over, it goes a distance, like you said. Just they're in the big cage, and like I said, Sumidarji loves circling away and circling out. And Mashnell doesn't press the fight all that much unless he wants to dive into a submission. Um, and I don't think that he wants to do that uh, in this fight as much. Like, I don't think there's going to be that much grappling. So, yeah, I'll take Sumidarji. And, I mean, I think the odds are mostly correct. And, you know, I don't think Mashnell has that much of a easy path to a win. It would have to be a gritty fight. And Mashnell usually doesn't win gritty fights. So, uh, give me Sue. Uh, looking at some props for this fight, they have Schnell KO1 at plus 3000 i mean he does go for it early he does you know he just dropped roy ball in round one and then they have a sue sub one at plus 5000 i feel like he could club and sub uh you know chanel possibly so those are two interesting props there um two long shots there um keeping it up with china in the next fight we have uh lee jing liang taking on muslim salikov minus 160 for salikov Jing Liang at plus 140. Uh, Jing said this fight is big in China. Salikov is a Sanda guy. He's beaten a lot of Chinese fighters. And, you know, the Chinese fans want Lee to avenge those losses. So, uh, big fight here for Chinese MMA. What are your thoughts on this welterweight fight, Ozzy? Yeah, you already know. We're going China back-to-back -back here. I'm sure that was not a, a scheduling mistake by uh, the UFC. They also made the poster in Chinese colors. Uh, probably also not a mistake. And on ABC, they're just pandering. You know that ABC, Disney, you know, they're all just a ploy. They've been infiltrated by uh, by China. But let me not get into all those conspiracy theories. Um, my Walt Disney stock is in the toilet right now. So, you know, I, I need some more China money to show up. But anyway... Um, yeah, I mean, I like Jing Liang here in this fight. You know, he hasn't had too many um, substantial performances in the fact of, like, cage time, right? Because he knocked out um, uh, Santiago quickly. He got choked out by Chemaev. And then that um, Neil Magny fight was just funny. I don't, like, it's just a normal Neil Magny fight. It was, that was a horrible, I hate Neil Magny. I hope he gets cut. But um, Jing Liang, I mean, I think that he's just going to approach this fight tactically overall. Um, and I think that's good because Muslim Salikov, he is a talented guy. He, you know, he's got a piston of a right hand. Like his right hand is super impressive to me because he could change the angles of it, right? He throws the overhand right like he knocked out Nordim with. 
but he also has a good straight right hand and he lands it from all different kinds of angles but other than that you know he's very low volume his conditioning and his cardio i uh, i would say is uh, not the best he goes for takedowns but never solidifies top position um, and I just think that volume-wise, I think Jing Liang can uh, get ahead of him. You know, uh, Jing Liang's also never been uh, knocked out. Um, he'll do anything to win, including including uh, clawing eyes, kicking groins. I mean, the guy's a dirty fighter, but whatever. Um, and yeah, I just think he's gonna be able to volume a uh, volume uh, Muslim. I think um, Salikov, if he doesn't land that big right hand, he it's tough for him to win minutes and win rounds uh, decisively. And I think that Jing Liang, from these fights that he's had, like with Neil Magny and Santiago and you know Chamayev, I think like he's he's seen the level that he needs to be at. You know he's can't come over stateside a few weeks in advance, and I think is developing his game still more, even though he is a little older. He's 34, I believe. Um, I think he's still developing a bit. You know he's a young 34, I would say. Um, whereas Salikov is like almost 40. You know coming up on. And yeah, just think it's gonna be a pretty competitive fight. I got some plus one forty-five uh, for Jing Liang. I think that's a solid number, solid price. I think he'll use the kicks, use the light kicks, you know, use his jab, and he's got a pretty good left hook. And it's gonna be a matter of who lands that, uh, you know, the the big bigger shot first. I think we'll 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 set the tempo of the fight, um, and I think it will be Jing Liang. Um, but I think it'll be competitive overall, but give me the plus money here. I wouldn't play it anything under plus 140 or like maybe like 135 is like the borderline. Um, and I do favor this fight. I could see the fight ending early, right? Like a, a big shot coming from either one of them. But I do like the Jing Liang uh, by decision as well at a plus 450. I think that's a super wide number, um, you know, in comparison to what the Salikov number is, because like I said, Salikov is not that great of a round winner. So, you know, I don't really see the discrepancy uh, and why they think that uh, Lee is so much more likely to win by inside the distance than uh, decision. Yeah, slight disagreement um, with this uh, assessment. I mean, I, I do see, you know, Salikov is just a cleaner striker. I think he's fine as, you know, a win at Minner or I say that right, uh, a minute winner. And, um, you know, the, the, the Trinaldo fight, just uh, his most recent fight really impressed me. That was a while ago though, man, he he's pretty inactive, right? He's had like one fight a year for the past three years. Right. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, even, even worse than that. I mean, uh, one fight in 2020, one fight in 2021, you know, two in 2019, but he's just been very, uh, you know, fairly inactive, uh, you know, is on a five fight win streak though. Uh, but just over pretty mediocre competition. Uh, I mean, uh, Trinaldo far and away the best win. The, the Zaleski fight, a pretty controversial decision. A lot of people don't think he won that one. And, you know, Jing Liang, in his most recent relevant fight, that, that's the Santiago Ponzinibbio fight, I thought he looked good there. He, look, he looked a lot better than usual. He was pumping out a lot more volume. He was throwing leg kicks to the inside and the outside. Uh, you know, obviously caught uh, Pons with that nasty counter. And we've seen Pons in wars since then. I mean, he's gotten hit a lot by several different fighters. And, you know, Jing Liang was the only guy who actually was able to fully put him out. So, you know, Jing Liang's power is different. And these guys are probably going to trade on the field. I, I see it being a competitive striking fight and I think the line is about right uh, but I, you know I'm not discredited the chances of Jing I think I would definitely rather be on the dog in this type of fight just because I think the uh, you know the speed of the athletic advantages for Jing Liang here might be more significant than we're expecting Salikov is uh, you know 39 years old uh, 
or 38 years old. And with that, you know, only fighting once a year for the past several years, I feel like we could be, you know, underestimating the athletic difference between these guys. And I just see the fight being, you know, a hectic striking fight. And that means I'm betting the inside the distance here. I bet it at a minus one Oh five on bet online. Um, I, I think either guy could finish one another, honestly. Uh, you know, I think it tends to favor Salikov early versus Jing Liang late. We have some buddies who are betting, uh, Jing Liang late KO. He has had several round three KOs in his, in his UFC career. So, uh, you know, I, I agree those round two and three props for Lee, at plus a thousand and plus 1400, probably worth a stab there. Uh, and, uh, that'll be my way to play the fight. Next fight, uh, women's strawweight no 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 this is a uh, is this flyweight i don't even know what it is i think it's strawweight um amanda limos taking on michelle waterson limos minus 305 waterson plus 255 i mean this fight is dog shit i mean it's going to be excruciating to watch this fight honestly um in person uh because you know both these women uh, you know stink to be honest I mean, Watterson has no idea how to fight. Uh, I'm dead serious with you guys. She has no idea what she's doing in the cage. Um, she doesn't understand the meta. She doesn't understand damage. She doesn't understand how to throw punches. It's just an excruciating affair watching her fight. And, you know, the only way she really typically wins fights is, is by getting those clinch takedowns or those, you know, body lock trips or something. And I don't think she's doing that to Lemos here. You know, Lemos is going to have a big difference in strength, physicality. Obviously, she's the much harder hitter of the two. But Lemos, as a round winner, is pretty shit. Her cardio is not good. She doesn't uh, typically initiate the offensive grappling, despite her having a few subs. Um, so, uh, you know, this fight just stinks. I have no thoughts on it, except Lemos by sub at plus 1,600. Like, the woman has, doesn't she have multiple subs in the UFC? No. No, she only had one against Granger. Uh, but I mean, I, with Watterson loving to shoot those those weak takedowns and Lemos having, you know, the punching power advantage, I, I could see Lemos hurting her with a punch, following up with a sub, or Watterson diving into a, a, a terrible takedown and getting her neck caught. I mean, uh, they had Lemos sub and Watterson sub as the same price. And at that, those those prices, I think Lemos sub is worth a stab at that big plus 1600 number. Uh, that's really my only thoughts on the fight. Ozzy, you, you care about this one at all? Not that much. I mean, I don't like either girl. You know, I don't think Lemos is a good fighter at all, but she does throw um, and use techniques that I think are more viable overall. Um, you know, as in like she'll throw calf kicks. She looks to land her right hand. Whereas, you know, Watterson, she throws sidekicks like, you know, her, her, her punches are like little blitzing attacks that, you know, people think that are effective. I remember when people thought that she like convincingly beat Carla Esparza and like, I'm like, guys, how are you even like, you know, yelling about this decision? Like nothing happened. Like, like there's no way you think this is a robbery. But regardless, um, you know, I think Lemos probably will win. Like I said, you know, she does land the more eye catching shots and the better strikes overall. But I mean, the girl's not good. She's not technical, like her technical acumen is not high. So if Michelle is able to to get to the clinch and, you know, get her in like extended grappling positions, I mean, you saw the girl got arm triangled on her feet. So, you know, um, I would say that transition wise, and if uh, Waterson gets on top, I do think that she can hold Lemos down, take her back, potentially maybe get a submission here. What's Michelle by submission? It is... Uh, 12 to 1, 16 to 1 on FanDuel. So I'd rather play Waterson by submission than Lemos by the submission. Um, but I do think that on the feet, 
you know, Lemos being at 125 and not having to suck herself down on 115, I think actually is going to work out okay for her as well. I don't think she minds it, you know, the, the weight class difference. So I think Lemos will end up winning. Um, but I think uh, Waterson by submission is an okay play because I do think she will look to grapple here at some point and, you know, in, in every round as well. But I probably won't bet on the fight. But if I did or if I do, it'll probably be a little stab on uh, Michelle by submission. This is actually 115, uh, not 125. You know that? Don't care, bro. We can move on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess Michelle does have several subs. She won four fights in a row by sub back in the day, um, but uh, but none since. Um, so our, our budding head-to-heads on plus 1,600 there. That'll be fun to see. Um, main event time, Brian Ortega, Yaya Rodriguez. Great matchup here. Brian Ortega minus 180, bet online. Yaya Rodriguez plus 155. Uh, Ozzy, what are you thinking about this? Both top five ranked guys, solid main event. What are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, great fight. I mean, I'm a you know I'm a big Brian Ortega fan. You know, I had um, him by submission like seven to one against uh, Volkanovski. Obviously, that probably should have cashed there. Um, and it was uh you know there were two or three good submission attempts there. Um, personally, you know, I'm not taking the Ortega money line, you know, side, uh, you know, uh, going into this matchup. I think that people are getting a little bit over their skis. You know, they're looking for a win. I think there's a lot of people that have been cold as of late just because of the variance, um, that has hit, you know, MMA and they're kind of looking for a winner and obviously a main event winner. I'm going to avoid this fight. Um, the only bet that I'm going to make, and I always make, honestly, is I take uh, Ortega round three. Obviously, it's not that great of a of a line here, but just getting into the matchup aspect of it, you know, my main hesitancy is, you know, Ortega's been using his southpaw stance, you know, a lot, you know, uh, as of late. And while the guy is durable, obviously, with head strikes, you know, we've seen um, the body kicks of Yair Rodriguez put down, like a guy like Jeremy Stevens, right, who, you know, you would think has great durability, right, but he got hit to the body and he went down. And, you know, you, anyone could go down from those kicks to the body. Um, and also... Brian's just not that much of a proactive grappler. I do think he will more so here, um, but I don't think it will necessarily be effective. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the the kind of takedowns that he goes for, he goes for kind of like trips and, you know, he'll he'll do weird stuff. He'll like try to grab a clinch on you and then just jump, you know, try to do a snap down to the guillotine. Not saying that that's weird, but just a lot of people don't do it. You know, snap down to a guillotine or he'll like go for a flying triangle. I wouldn't be surprised at him doing any of that stuff, flying at Yair, trying to get a submission here. But, you know, hands-wise, I just don't really like his striking and his timing. And I just think that Yair, he's faster on the outside. He enters in with more more deliberate and more direct, and he kind of knows the combination he wants to throw out. Whereas Brian, I think he's a little bit more... Um, he lets the fight come to him a little bit more, and that, I think that coincides with why he's gotten many uh, round three finishes, right? A lot of times, he like the round, the first round, he doesn't start off very quickly. He doesn't start off well. I think only the Chan Sung Jung fight, I think that's, I don't remember if it was the first, which round was it where you hit him with the spinning elbow, but he looked a lot better in that first round. Um, but traditionally, he doesn't uh, do that. Um, his shot selection, I don't think is the best. You know, he doesn't really throw that many kicks. I mean, the light kick, he's been throwing more kicks, but obviously, Yair is the better kicker. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not as, uh, inclined like other people to lay the chalk here. I think that it's very live for Yair to come out strong, you know, himself and you get a good live money line price on, uh, Brian after, uh, uh, losing around, you know, obviously the books are hip to it. They know that 
The guy still has, uh, you know, a lot of finishing equity in the later rounds. Um, so I'm taking that round three, uh, you know, stab just because he always, you know, picks it up there. Maybe some later props as well, just because Yair, once he does tire out, I think the uh, the grappling, uh, the disparity in grappling only gets larger. And the way that Brian is able to cut through guys on the ground is, you know, just... Um, gets substantiated more and kind of just builds as guys get more tired. Um, so, so like if he got a guy like, uh, Ortega or, uh, Rodriguez, like he had Volk, he would just be able to go through a bit more of the positions just cause the reaction times for guys that aren't Volkanovsky slow down a lot, a lot, uh, in later rounds in the grappling. So I'll still pick Ortega to win, but I will not be laying this money line price. I'll look for a live entry and I got that round three, uh, uh, prop. Yeah, I agree with most of what you said there. I mean, the 3 4 5, uh, Ortega 3, 1300, 4, 1800, 5, 2200. I mean, the later the fight goes, I think it should favor him. Uh, I think he does have the more, uh, you know, finishing upside too with the sub. Uh, and considering, you know, Brian can just take a beating, he's a hard guy to finish. So I, I could see it being hard for Yair, especially because even if Yair, you know, hurts him, we could see, you know, Ortega, you know, lay on his back, pull guard a little bit, look to collect himself. And, you know, Yair is probably not going to want to follow him down to the ground. He's going to, we're going to do that thing where what was happening a lot last week where these guys just lay on their backs. The other guy stands there and kicks them. You know, these refs need to do something about that. That, that should not even be allowed. Uh, I mean, we, we lost, we watched like three minutes of that last week happen where guys are just standing there kicking the guy's legs. But anyway, um, you know, I, I took some of that Ortega sub that was available early on, uh, on FanDuel 470. Obviously that dropped a lot. Um, good price there. But I mean, from a money line side, I mean, I think this is easy, easy Yair or pass here at this, uh, you know, the price where it's at now. I mean, I think the the general consensus on this fight is is Ortega is going to get his ass kicked until he finds a way to win. Right. He he always does that. I mean, this guy, even when he was coming on his run, uh, when he was first getting traction in the UFC, the Moicano fight, the Guida fight. Um, there was another one there in there too as well, where he was losing those fights and then he comes back in round three and finishes guys. You know, he has, you know, tremendous will and, and, uh, you know, uh, adver I don't know what the word I was looking for is. He has a, a great ability to, to withstand adversity and to just fighting keep... spirit. Fighting yeah, there spirit. you go. Modelo, Modelo, fighting spirit. Exactly. Um, man, that's a huge narrative going into this one. Hadn't even thought about that one, but, um, yeah, I mean, he he's not he can get his ass kicked for a few rounds and he's not going to lose, uh, you know, faith of winning. While on the other hand, Ayer, it doesn't seem to have as much, you know, uh, you know, fight in him as as uh, Ortega does, especially when you look at that Yair fight in round three versus Stevens. I mean, that fight was originally supposed to be five rounds. It got canceled because of that eye poke. Uh, and if, if that fight goes five rounds, I mean, Jeremy Stevens whoops that ass in those later rounds. Uh, and Yair, I don't I think he'll always be that type of fighter. He, he has that dynamic striking style and i just don't think his cardio can ever really get uh to the point where he can sustain that into the later rounds he's just not going to be a five-round fighter kind of similar to zabit um i just don't think that style it would have been suited for those extra two rounds um so early on i think yair you can bet him and then look to uh to trade out live i do expect yair to be a favorite after the first round or two and then the later fight the three four five is definitely got a favor uh ortega uh, but man ortega at minus 180 they're pricing him as if he's going to come out and shoot takedowns in round one and to out grapple uh, yair from the start this guy ortega never wrestles from the beginning he always strikes feels the fight out a bit and even 
even the fights he wins by sub, he he typically snatches these subs from really opportunistic positions on the feet and the clinch. The Volkanovski fight was just a, a caught kick that he immediately jumped onto the neck there. He he is not a good wrestler uh, by any means. Uh, and I feel like the market is just pricing Ortega like he's going to get takedowns control him and sub him and win you know without much resistance but that's not ortega style he he loves to make the fight a little difficult and then he loves to you know come back and eventually get that sub and uh you know i think yair is getting a bit underrated here man i think i'll be cheering for yair here uh, although a duke got that bet on ortega sub i will end up on ortega three four five as well uh, but you know, money line, easy dog or pass situation, uh, very fun fight. Looking forward to watching this one play out and, uh, that'll do it for this week's podcast. That's going to bring us to our best bet parlay of the week. Is it really the best bet parlay of the week? If it's lost, you know, five weeks in a row, well, we'll see. Uh, we have, uh, another one, uh, coming up this week. Um, who, who's going first here, Ozzy? I feel like we're going to fight for the same bet. I got Ricky Simone. Oh, okay. Bad, bad. You're going to make it easy. I'll take uh, Hurricane Shane then. That, let's, okay, that's, yeah. a, that's a good one. Uh, so mine, I always is- go for I, I try to avoid. I try to put the one that I think has got the most value overall with the with the price. And I think for me, that's Ricky Simone this week. That's the that's fight that I'm going to have the most on uh, in terms of, you know, the return coming back. So, I mean, I like Simone, Murphy, you know, Shane. Um, and uh, who else? I think I got one. Lee. Lee. Lee, yeah, like Lee, Lee, you know, Lee's a good bet, I think, overall. So yeah, those are those are the the plays that I have this week that I like. Um, so hopefully, you know, looking to go, you know, looking to go three and one on those. Hopefully, that'd be a great week. Um, and try to reverse the reverse from last week. Yeah, so you combine uh Burgos minus one sixty five, Simone plus one forty five on DraftKings, that comes out to plus two ninety three. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling good about those two as well. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get back on the board this week. Uh, been going through some cold streaks on track bets lately. But, a lot of uh, people, you know, a lot of people have been going through cold streaks. You hear it's a consistent theme right now. I think it's the overall variance. I don't think it's limited to anyone, you know, uh, on any side of things. You know, I know my boy Pepe, one of my one of my bo- New York boys, he's been doing well. Liam, you know, a, a few a few people. But I think overall, like people could be even doing better with uh, some of his variances has been hitting, but you just got to stay the course. You know, we started this podcast, I think last year was like the last week of July. It was like July 24th, 23rd. And from then to like the end of the year, I think I ripped off like 55 units or something like that. So I'm not concerned. I just, I keep doing this every week. It is what it is. I've been watching MMA for fucking, you know, 16 years now. So ain't nothing going to change. That's a good point. Yeah. Last, second half of last year, we were killing it. Even I feel like the first few months of this year, we were doing well. But then I feel like March, April came around, started doing bad. And then the past few months have been rough. Um, but yeah, um, you know, thanks to everyone sticking in there, continuing to listen. We're, even if we're, we're getting unlucky on some of these bets, you know, we're still producing good podcasts, a lot of good information and, you know, talking about props and ways to play the fight. So uh, glad you guys are still listening and enjoying the podcast. And uh, we'll see you all before next week's UFC card, UFC London, another banger of a card. And uh, again, if anybody's in Long Island this weekend, you know, hit me up and uh, maybe we can uh, meet up at the fights at some point. And I uh, hope you all enjoy the fights, win some bets, and we'll see you all next week. Peace out, everyone.